Have you always dreamed of creating your own beauty products or building your own beauty brand? Welcome to Beauty Business School, the podcast devoted to empowering beauty entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Doreen Block. Join me as we talk with industry insiders, beauty founders, and more to provide you with knowledge and resources for launching your own beauty brand. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Business School podcast. I am here with Leah. Leah, are you on? Yes, I am. Wonderful. I am so excited to hear more about your entrepreneurial journey, your career journey, and um, to understand more about um, what your advice is for beauty entrepreneurs. So let's get into it. Yeah, fantastic. Awesome. So let's start off really broad. In your own words, tell us about your educational journey and your career journey so far. Yeah, definitely. So um, I have always known that I wanted to work in the beauty industry. Uh, You know, I grew up in France and I was super fascinated by women's relationship to beauty and the way that they really embrace femininity as like an empowering um, step and not so much as a superficial, uh, superficial step. So uh, that's something that's always been super exciting to me. And I was really drawn drawn to that and to the ritual of applying skincare and makeup and fragrance, you know, as a gesture of self-care and self-love, not necessarily just linked to the outside world and its perception, but really for yourself. Um, But as far as breaking into this industry, I've had kind of an unconventional journey. So I am a very analytical person and curious by nature, and I've always, you know, really wanted to know how everything works um, from the bottom up. So naturally, I, I wanted to approach products by understanding how they function from the smallest element. So I actually went to study chemical biology at UC Berkeley to be able to understand um, how how products are made from the smallest molecule. And then I had the opportunity to uh, move to New York for a master's in organic chemistry at Columbia. And I just found myself in a city that's really the heart of the industry. Um, so, you know, after that, I, I was able to have the opportunity to uh, complete uh, another program in perfumery at uh, Pratt Institute here in New York, because I've always been, you know, fascinated by fragrance as well. Um, so after all, all these classes and all these um, these different schooling experiences, I was really ready to start my career. Um, and I actually started in contract manufacturing, so working on, uh, you know, R&D and product development. Um, in, in my role. Uh, following that, I was able to have the opportunity to uh, move to skincare global marketing at Clinique. So definitely a different experience being one of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, and there I was really able to create the products from, from uh, an initial concept to a full launch. Um, and after seeing that, you know, I really wanted to see what, um, what it was like to, to be closer to the to the consumer and really see that final step of you know getting that product into her hands, uh, and so I went more on the uh, local side, so on the U.S. market um, for Boots Retail USA, where I was able to manage uh, four skincare brands, which was super exciting and, and really able to see more of um, of the the last step and, and dealing with retailers and that that whole piece of it. Um, and now uh, I really found an ideal role at L'Oreal. I'm on the SkinCeuticals brand. Uh, I'm doing both global marketing and product development. And it's a really great brand for me to be on because this brand CNA is really founded in advanced science, um, you know, to um, uh, have in your skincare. And it's really the culmination for me of, of when I first set out on my journey to like really unite both chemistry and beauty. 
Absolutely amazing. And we are so lucky to have your expertise here today um, because you really have seen it all from the molecule all the way to the marketing campaign. And so I'm thrilled to be able to dive into all of the details, but that is so exciting and congratulations on everything so far. Yeah, thank you. It's really been an interesting and exciting journey at every step of the way. So what ingredients or ingredient technologies are you most excited about right now? So, I mean, it's really an exciting time to be in this industry right now because consumers um, have changed so much the way that, that they interact with brands and they're much more uh, educated about, about products and ingredients. So we're really being challenged to deliver more and more uh, in terms of the ingredients, which is fantastic, but also makes our job a little tougher sometimes, right? Um, so one, one, exciting, one ingredient that's really exciting and, and, and has really been growing in uh, popularity and awareness uh, lately is vitamin C. Um, which, you know, for good reason, it's, it's an excellent antioxidant. But, but what I think is really important to understand is that, um, you know, the, this distinction between ingredients and concentration and then efficacy, right? So you're, you're, you have your ingredient, but it's part of a, a broader formulation with other actives and then, uh, you know, the base that is the vehicle to, to deliver these actives. Um, and so what, what we need to really keep in mind is, how is that formula working as a whole to be most effective? And it might not necessarily relate to the highest concentration of an ingredient, but about how it's formulated to really deliver the, the best results. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's definitely something to to keep top of mind as we look at um, at pulling together ingredients into a formula. In terms of of where you draw ingredient inspiration, you know, you're seeing all these trends. Um, the, they they come from a lot of times crossover from the food industry. So right now we're seeing a lot of products with kale or turmeric uh, that are coming to market. Um, but sometimes just from nature, you know, like you can get different algae. Um, so it's it's definitely, you know, there's, there's always new ingredients. There's always uh, interesting ways to formulate with them while keeping in mind, you know, the, the result that you're trying to achieve in your formulation. Amazing. And um, not to discount, of course, probably everything that you've learned in your incredible school background. When it comes to new ingredients and looking for different benefits, how are you typically going about that process of getting educated or ramped up about new ingredients? Like, is there some book or set of research academies? Like, tell us more about that. And or are you guys just Googling too, like the rest yeah, of us? Yeah, I mean, it, it can honestly, inspiration can come from everywhere. It's really important to like keep an eye open on everything that's going on in, in any industry, you know, because that's, that's where you can really source something that's really innovative and, and cross it into a new application. Um, but, you know, we'll also have, we've, there's different, you know, um, uh, vendors that will have different ingredients that they're also studying, but um, you know, in general, ingredients are really extensively studied for their interactions with skin cells. So, like both in vitro and in vivo studies, um, and so we really want to show that that there's this efficacy that's been demonstrated uh, before we start introducing them in our formulation. Uh, again, it's never a guarantee when when you start working with an ingredient in a formulation that it's going to have the same effect. Um, as it would on its own, right? So you have to continuously test um, and, and really optimize for the formula that, that you're trying to deliver. Um, aside from that, it's also a lot about brand positioning. You know, there's certain brands that are really centered around, you know, one type of ingredient. And thinking, you know, of Le Mer or La Roche-Posay that have their uh, 
specific ingredients. And so they'll always include that as um, as a starting point. And, and other brands that might be a natural brand that would focus more on including plant extracts as their main active. So it's, it's a continuous uh, iterative process, definitely. Mm, that's so brilliant. And something that is always on the minds of consumers and something certainly that people of the business um, Beauty Business School podcast want to know is from a scientist's perspective, what makes a drugstore product truly different than a luxury product? Is there a difference? What's your take on it? Mm-hmm, yes, um, that is definitely the most common question that we receive from anyone outside the industry or even early in the industry. Uh, you know, just trying to understand, you know, what what is the difference between all these products? Because there's so many products and so many brands right now. Right. Um, but, you know, traditionally brands had been divided into these two categories, right? Prestige or luxury brands that you would find in a department store and then mass or consumer products, right, that you would find mostly at a drugstore. Um, we're starting to see that line blur a little bit more, to be honest, as the traditional shopping experience is changing. Um, so that's definitely something that, that's been really interesting and, again, goes back to consumer behavior, you know, being really choiceful and really educated in terms of, um, of how these products are, are made and what they're delivering. Um, but, yeah, as a consumer, I mean, there's so many factors to take into account when selecting a product. You know, you might value efficacy in delivering the best results as, um, as the most important, but then there's also, you know, the sensoriality of a product, its fragrance. Um, the price point and even the packaging or the ecological impact can can come into play in, in a consumer's decision. So it, it goes much beyond, um, you know, just staying to luxury or drugstore, you know, because the interaction, um, the interaction that, that a consumer has goes way beyond just the moments of application. And it's, it's really about finding the product that really suits you. And that might be one type of product for me and completely different for you. So that's why we have so many products out there. And that's why it's still always so exciting to, to innovate and uh, develop more. But when you think about, you know, the, the, the sort of black and white way that people have, have thought about these, these, these differences is really the price point, right? And, um, I think it's important to understand that there's so much that goes into the product development process that you can see um, and that there's so many decision points that are going to contribute into the cost and then eventually the price of, um, of, your, of your product. So having a higher price point does give you a little more option in terms of you, you can invest more in various aspects. Like you might be able to uh, for a certain ingredient or a certain concentration of an ingredient in the formula or have packaging that might feel a little bit more premium or decide whether or not you want to add a, a, you know, a folding carton or an insert in your product and select different kinds of decoration processes to get your logo and your product name on the jar. Um, you know, but I think what's also important to keep in mind is that the, the price also has to cover everything that needs to happen that is not the physical product, right? All the sourcing of the ingredients and testing and production and supply chain to get that product on the shelf um, and and all the marketing materials that, that go along with it as well. So it's, it's, it's a, unfortunately not such a cut and dry answer, but there, there's definitely a, a difference and then there's a, you know, room to, to play in different, uh, in different ways at different price points. But it's really just important to, to always do your research and find the product that suits you best. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. That's a brilliantly diplomatic answer, but also really 
hits to the heart of it. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think when I was first thinking of that question, I was really thinking about it more from some of the things that you mentioned around the certain ingredients that are being afforded or the concentration of the ingredients. But you're absolutely right that especially I'm thinking of skincare or fragrance, for example, but certainly with makeup too, the product, it's not just what you're putting on your skin. It's that whole routine and ritual and experience. And so if a different type of lettering on the bottle is going to help to create that elevated experience, that is certainly part of it too. Um, so I think that's a really, really interesting point that you're making that it's not just the formula that's in the bottle and necessarily the efficacy, it could be these other variables as well. Definitely. Yeah. And I think a lot of people really get stuck on just like what's inside that jar and, and saying, well, you know, why, why would I pay more for, for one versus another? Um, and, and it's really about the whole holistic experience beyond that as well. Right. And some things that come to mind on this actually, um, and let me know if you have other examples too, or if you have any thoughts on these particular brands. Um, but actually going back to your vitamin C example, um, I, my understanding and my limited way of understanding is that vitamin C can be somewhat unstable or it can degrade quickly. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. It can oxidize. Oxidize, exactly. And so I believe it's Drunk Elephant that has um, a pretty innovative bottle dispensing system so that the core um, product is not exposed to air until you dispense it. So something like that, which then comes with a higher price point, but there's a good reason perhaps that it has this higher price point. Yeah, definitely. So it might be a you know a packaging innovation, or it might just be the type of vitamin C that that you're using, um, you know, and and how it's it's stabilized too within the formula. And 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 then you know the the flip side of that is really um, educating the consumer. You know, spending time and and energy and and resources and in, in explaining to consumers like, hey, vitamin C is going to degrade. You can't just leave it in your in your uh, bathroom closet uh, for forever and ever and just use it as sparingly as you want because if you do that you, you're just going to end up putting something on your face that's going to be completely ineffective so I think you know it's, it's definitely a full full experience right and so speaking of full experience tell me a little bit more about how product developers think about scent and color yes definitely so I as you know I'm Still very interested in that in perfumery. I've I've uh, continued to to follow that uh, because I think mm-hmm. scent is just such a powerful, um, mm-hmm. a, a powerful almost emotion. And 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 uh, I think about how like the smallest whiff of a scent can bring up the strongest of memories. And and to me that's it, it's also so unique as as uh, because it, it's also both very personal and very public, right? Like your interaction with scent. It's, it's what you wear and what you smell on yourself every day and how you choose to, to be with yourself. But it's also generally the first and the most impactful way that others perceive and remember you. So I think that that duality of experience with scent is something that's quite unique within the beauty space. Um, but, you know, not not from a developing a fragrance standpoint, I'll leave that to the side for now. But when looking at skincare, I think... Um, important to keep in mind that that first and foremost you you have a formula right and and there's lots of ingredients and they might each have their own scent that they contribute right so fragrance can come um from plant actives that can contribute to the scent think about if you're using some uh, peppermint for example or menthol for a cooling effect um 
but it can also be added as, as a fragrance to give a sensorial experience. Um, and honestly, a lot of the times it's either you want to um, give the, the, this kind of unique um, unique experience to the consumer to, to be able to recognize your product within a product line or a brand. But honestly, a lot of the time it's really to mask or counter the scent of other ingredients that consumers might find unpleasant. So it's, it's always a, it's always a balance. You might choose to, to leave the, the scent out completely and then leave your formula to, to have the smell that it naturally has, which certain brands do. And, and you again have to educate the consumer on that, or you might want to use fragrance to, to give your product, your product a, a signature and unique scent that is very synonymous with your brand and, and addicts, it, it addicts in a sense your, your consumers to come back for it. Yeah, makes sense. And um, when it comes to advice for entrepreneurs, and I'm so excited to hear your feedback about this since you have experience all across the board in terms of working in-house at a brand as well as third party, when it comes to entrepreneurs uh, picking a product manufacturer or product developer to work with, what advice do you have? And then, you know, as the working relationship, you mentioned iteration earlier, as that working relationship is developing, any tips or advice for how to really create a strong foundation there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as with, with any professional relationship, I think it's super important to, you know, stay positive and keep in mind that your goal is really to create a great product. You're creating something, you know, with multiple people together um, from scratch and, and you're going from something that's just an idea to a physical product. So that, that's going to require expertise from a lot of people. Um, so in general, my advice would be just make sure that you have a super strong vision of what you're trying to create. Um, for a product or brand to be successful, it, it really needs to have a solid foundation and reason to be. Otherwise, you know, consumers will see right through it. Uh, I think once you've gotten that far that you really have a strong foundation, uh, Definitely surround yourself with people um, that are committed to that vision, but also that will continue to challenge you along the way. Because I think having those challenges just make like test your product and result in just an even stronger end product. Um, but beyond that, you know, definitely get ready for somewhat of a roller coaster. Uh, there's so many moving parts in developing a product um, that you'll definitely need to to be able to adapt. Yeah, that makes sense. And so speaking of um, products and product development, if you can share what are some products or a product that you have worked on that you're most proud of? Oof, that is such a difficult question to answer because, you know, as a, as a product developer, all new products are like my babies. Uh, you know, we work on, on pretty, yeah, uh, I love all my children equally, you know, we work <laughs> on, uh, on really extended timelines. Usually it's, it's multiple years or more. So when you finally get to see a product on the shelf, it's absolutely just the most rewarding feeling. Um, if I had to pick just one, it would probably be, uh, this, uh, moisturizer I did with Clinique called the Moisture Surge 72 Hour Auto Replenishing Hydrator, kind Ooh. of a a long name, but, uh, you know, I remember when we first started looking at how the competitive set of, of hydrators and moisturizers had kind of evolved and we started listening to what consumers were looking for many, many years ago. And then and then going from that to, to ideating and landing on this new concept of really teaching your skin how to rehydrate itself, right, which is completely new and uh, it sounds a little crazy at first, but but we thought it was super exciting. So then once 
once we landed on that, it was just we were off to the races, like getting this through and, and briefing it to R&D, coming up with the packaging, finding the name in a way that, you know, really the consumer could understand all the key messaging, um, you know, right up front and testing the formula. I mean, we were so nervous waiting for those hydration results and <laughs> so relieved mm -hmm. to get such a good claim, um, you know, because one of the challenging aspects on that particular product is that, you know, we never want to instruct women in a test to not wash their face because that's such a crucial step in any skincare and, and health routine, to be honest. Um, so to get that 72-hour claim after we told women to to wash their faces was just, that was a really good day. Um, but, you know, everything from uh, developing, and then everything developing outside of the product, kind of what I touched on earlier is, you know, so much work goes into the launches from the inside, but it's also really important to remember that that consumers really only ever act, ever interact with you, your product and your brand through the product itself and then the content that you're showing them, right? So we really, really need to make sure to spend time to deliver a great 360 experience with collateral and how-to videos, Instagram posts, like in-store experiences to, to really get the messaging and the excitement and the claims across to uh, to the end consumer. Amazing, yes, and it's so interesting given your background to look at some of the messaging for the brand, like even just being on the clinic website and looking at um, these drill down points around intense moisture boost and two times the hydration. I'm literally looking at graphics of the skin barrier and understanding what aspect of the technology is going where. So it really, you're right that it, it doesn't just end at the product being created. There's so much additional consumer information that can really enhance the story. That's quite powerful. Yeah, definitely. And so you touched on this a little bit, but I'd love to hear, um, it, you know, just blatantly speaking, what aspect of the product development process is most fun in your opinion? And what part is the most challenging? Uh, I mean, it's so hard to pick one aspect because every step of the way is, is really exciting and, and, and can be so different, right? You can go from working on a formula with, with R&D to submitting your name for legal search. Um, so it's, it's, right. it's definitely a very, very uh, all-encompassing job. But I think, you know, definitely uh, approving a final formula, I think going back to my to my oh, chemistry wow. roots is, is just really exciting to just say, hey, okay, we're locking into this. This is what, you know, aside from everything else and all the other work that I have to go through between now and the time it launches, like this is what the consumer is really going to be touching at the end of the day and, and interacting with and, and that's that's uh that's super exciting to me um and it's it's really what's the the fun part you know you get to to create something and, and build your vision um in terms of you know what's challenging i mean again because there's so many moving parts there's so much that can go wrong and that's going to need to be adapted along the way um you know a simple example is there's there's so much testing that goes on before a formula can launch. We'll have to do a stability test, safety test, compatibility test, transit test, like so many possibilities for challenges. Um, and unfortunately, there's definitely been plenty of times where a launch gets canceled um, at, at different stages of development. You know, it might be pretty early on or it might be when you're about to you're about to ship it out to the consumer because you've exhausted all, all potential solutions. And that's always really really heartbreaking. 
yeah, it sounds like it. It's like so much is left on the cutting room floor, kind of, mm-hmm. before the review. Um, absolutely amazing, though, um, hearing about your experiences, really touching every part of the process. And so I wanted to ask, do you have any mentors? And if so, what are some lessons that you've learned from them that you can share with all of us? Yeah, so I've been so fortunate uh, to have worked with so many truly amazing people in this industry. Um, The thing about this industry is that people are really, really passionate about what they do. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's so much more than just a job because you're creating something out of nothing. You know, and Mm -hmm. so you're you're in this this perfect space to me of, of creativity and and execution and science and trying to you know create something that's pretty creative and artistic, but within the confines of, of the possibilities that are open to you. Um, but, you know, your options are, are open to almost anything you can think of. So I, I always love to draw on, on my colleagues and my friends' knowledge. Um, since, you know, most people have had a very different experience and have had different challenges that I might not have had. Um, but, you know, one one key lesson that, uh, that one of my managers shared with me early in my career, which I, I always live by now is to to always come into any situation with a recommendation and a rationale because i mean anytime there's a question or challenge or a problem that comes your way you can really force yourself to really think through how to find a solution and therefore nothing seems really insurmountable so you know as long as as you have a reason for making your recommendation people can agree or disagree with you but you always you know, have a have a reason for saying what you're saying. And so you'll not only have done your research, but you always end up looking smart because people can't yeah. object to just like a fact, right? Like you've thought it through. Uh, so I think it's it's really a great way to approach, um, you know, any any issue, um, any, any situation at work. And it's really empowering. And I think especially when you're starting in this business, uh, because you might not be the final decision maker, but you're coming into the room with, with a problem that already has a solution. And it might not be the one that, that, that gets selected, but at least it, it made you think through it. And, um, you know, it, it, it provided a starting point. Um, and, and with that, I think it's really important to have confidence in delivering that message you know if you're the owner of a project if it is your baby you know odds are you you know more about it than anybody else in the room so Mm -hmm. if you're confident and you've done your work you can really tackle any challenge so so true and i know we've heard a little bit throughout this conversation about the things that motivate you when you go to create a new product but i'd love to hear any just final thoughts about motivations any advice for beauty entrepreneurs that you want to share I mean, to me, you know, knowing that that the products that I develop will become a part of someone's day at the the most basic level, right? Beauty is is very personal and and being, you know, being able to have an impact on someone's routine uh, is is really empowering to me. And and people don't tend to realize the number of products or how they interact with them throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you to even like as an exercise, spend one day just being mindful of it, whether it's beauty products or others. Um, think about think about every time you interact with a product and how that has an impact and how it changes your day. So, you know, for, for us in the industry, it's, it might be washing your hands with soap or applying moisturizer or putting on that red lipstick. But each one of those actions has, has that practicality, but it also has an emotional facet to, to, yeah. to everybody that's using it. So that, that moisturizer, 
it might just make your skin feel soft and nourished, you know, and, and feel really comforting. And the red lipstick that you just put on gives you this added confidence and also a fun way of expressing yourself and, and, and telling other people about your personality. So, you know, it, it's, it's a very um, broad spectrum for me to, to work in this industry of, of uh practicality but also very personal and, and um you know and all goes back for me to knowing that I I have an impact on others and on hopefully creating smaller large things that, that can improve people's lives. That is such a beautiful reminder. I love that. I think it's such a perfect way to end our conversation. Thank you so so much for taking time today to share your expertise with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so much fun.